for our sport, we get to do that. We get to look inside how we're feeling. Sure, we can look at the data, but I mean, ultimately, you only think you have to think about like how you're feeling, and it's not. You don't have to compare to someone else because yeah. when it's a team, like a soccer team, they can't, they can't have someone wake up in the morning and say like, "Well, I'm I'm a little extra tired today. My heart rate is, you know, super high." I'm going to just sit on the sideline. It's like, no, it's team practice. Like you're going to be at team practice unless you're sick. Um, but we, as you know, individual athletes, we get to do that of like really adjust training to, you know, with how our body responds, but definitely that calculation of, okay, should I be feeling tired today? And is that a good thing? Like, do I want to get more miles on tired legs? Or deciding like, no, yeah. I'm at, not at that point in my program. I need to take an extra day recovery so that I can come back yeah. tomorrow and do it right. Welcome or welcome back to the Virgin Podcast, Running Long. I'm your host, Francesco Puppi, and I'm a professional athlete for Nike and also a Virtran coach. Today's guest is Emily Hoggood, a professional trail and ultra runner from Zimbabwe sponsored by Adidas Terex. Emily is one of the most wonderful and cheerful people I know, not just in the sport of running, and she's one of the strongest trail athletes in the world, especially in the 100k, 100 mile distance. She's also a running coach, a strength coach, and she studied exercise science at the College of Idaho, and she has a master's degree in high-altitude exercise physiology from the University of Gunnison in Colorado. In this conversation, we talk about Emily and her very successful 2023, where she placed fifth at Western States and second at UTMB CCC. We talk about how she's treating herself during her off-season, how she handles the pressure of training and racing at a high level, and a bunch of other topics. My favorite part of the conversation was when we dive deep into training, talking about our relationship with training data, with our respective coaches, some thoughts on strength training, strength training periodization, and altitude training. For those who are new here, Bertrand is the number one training app for trail and ultramarathon runners of all levels. Our mission is to make trail running accessible to everybody everywhere through affordable coaching. That's why all our coaching plans cost $25 a month. With your Bertrand subscription, you will get a personal coach who checks in with you each week to answer your questions, adjust your training plan, and keep you accountable and inspired. For those of you who want to give training with Bertrand a try, you can take 30% off your first month of training with the code RUNNINGLONG30 as a podcast listener. So here we go. Without further ado, please welcome Emily Hoggood. Emily Hoggood, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. It's a, it's a pleasure having you here. Yeah, I was looking forward to having you on the podcast. And here we are chatting after... We saw each other in Chamonix after finishing <laughs> both in second place, uh, respect in our respective races. You in OCC, uh, sorry, CCC, and for me it was OCC. <laughs> so yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Pretty awesome. Feels like a while ago. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> how are you doing? And uh, how's life? 
Yeah, doing good. Um, yeah, nothing too wild. It's been kind of fun to <clears throat> like maybe plan the rest of the year, just in life in general, like travel plans. And I'm getting to go home and see my family for 10 days. It's pretty really fun. Um, yeah, and then just, yeah, just doing stuff around here, catching up with uh, the garden I look after out here. So there's a lot That's of yard awesome. work to do, which is really fun. Um yeah, some big mountain time up in Idaho, which has been amazing. I mean, there's already snow up there, which I don't think I'm ready for. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's been pretty special. Cool. So where's home for you right now? Right. <laughs> That's a good question. No, I am in Roseville in California um, okay. is home. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been wandering around the mountains there and you mentioned you were going home, meaning you're home country Zimbabwe right 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 yeah so I'm actually cool. going to go crew um the Adidas Terex team in Cape Town at UTC oh, awesome. yes which will be fun and then I'll go 10 home 10 days home from there which will be really amazing yeah I want to ask you about Zimbabwe because it yeah. you know it's <laughs> it's very interesting for me and you're definitely not like well, it's it's definitely like, like the most common place for a trail athlete to come from. So uh, I want to know a little <laughs> more about your your story. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll, let's let's catch up a little bit from after CCC. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think I think your race went really really well there, and you were very happy with your performance and your effort. Um, but how's your recovery and off season looked like? You mentioned you were able to spend some, you know, a good amount of time in the mountain and, you know, taking it easy and, and all of that. So what's the off season like for you? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I always kind of try and keep the balance all year. Uh, I, I mean, I did a few years ago when I was doing skyrunning races, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you can pack in a lot more races in a year. Yeah. Um, I think I had like 15 or 16 races in a year, which right now just seems crazy, but, <laughs> um, it was fun, but I've definitely like over the year or over my career have discovered that good balance between recovery and training and stuff. Um, so hopefully, I mean, I'm more smart, you know, smarter now with it. Um, so I don't feel I mean, at the moment, I don't feel like I need to take like a full on off season each year, but it has been good. Like after every race, like 10 days is my strict, you know, downtime. Um, and I'm very uh, specific with that and make sure that, yeah, I keep my mobility up and things like that, but rest and recover and You're very uh, diligent. Body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then... I mean, so I do come September after UTMB CTC. Uh, it is nice to take some downtime, especially like weather's changing and with all the travel, I think that adds quite a bit. I know you'll know um, with traveling too, especially yep. across the oceans. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's always kind of nice to take maybe a little extra time. I didn't this time. I did do the 10 days and then... Um, I started playing in the mountains, but had a lot more freedom. Like if I was out in the mountains and, you know, camping out there for five days, wow. runs weren't on the schedule, but it was, you know, 
getting out and hiking and um, just moving and being in the mountains and more refreshing, maybe the soul over the body um, and just keeping that joy alive of moving and being outside. And uh, I, you know, I love the training. I love the regiment, um, but it is nice to also be good with yourself and give yourself that grace to do other things and also see that stuff as training in its own way, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not very good at that because like, I never really give myself the chance to like, not to not recover because I, I do recover. I do have an off season yeah. and rest and, and, su and such, but like, you know, taking five, six days to just go for a hike and camp mm -hmm. out in the mountains and like really connect with the nature and count that not as like tr training um si right. strictly mm -hmm. speaking but like as something that is part of our lifestyle um yeah. i feel like it's something i'm i'm not good at and like <laughs> in general i'm not very good at being kind to myself in that mm -hmm. way so i think that's something really interesting that you mentioned and that really uh stands out from the way you approach running and ultra running um which i admire a lot thank you i appreciate that yeah. yeah i mean i hope you find that too and can just give yourself yeah that grace and has so, it always been like that for you? in racing huh has it always been like that for you um i think you learn it over time i went to boarding school and so you i had to figure that out probably pretty quick i was never like the best at anything at school And I feel, always felt like I would like, you know, miss out on getting on teams or, you know, by like a little spot or something. So maybe that kind of developed that of like, just because you aren't on the team doesn't mean. But that's like, hard on you. it didn't give you more pressure, like to work harder and, you know, train more because for myself, it, it was a little bit the same, but it actually... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like on, on one hand, it was really good because it gave me the motivation to, you know, train more mm -hmm. and work harder than the others who were maybe yeah. more talented than me. Yeah. But then on the other hand, I feel like, okay, because like training is my strength, I can never really mm -hmm. rest and I don't deserve to rest as much as other people. Right, yeah. And I think that is hard to, yeah, like view it as a, you know, I achieve so I get to do this. It's like, no, this that's a hard approach to bring to training because like ho hopefully this is your passion, like running is your passion. Oh yeah. And so you get to go do it. It doesn't like have to go do it. And then that takes away from the like, okay, well, if I do this, I can do this. It's like, no, it should just be a part of life. And so, yeah, I eat breakfast in the morning and I'm going to eat lunch. Like whether I go for a run or I don't. Yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly. just basis, but basics, but, um, yeah definitely like helps just shift the mindset of um True. kind of making it a a sport that we have to you know be uh what's it called i don't know rewarded by i mean of course of course like never to like i i think the same way too it definitely drove me to work harder and all of that but also with all our wis you know wisdom with um the sports world now and what our bodies do best with like your key thing is like keeping that balance yeah. between training, stress and recovery. And so, um, yeah, if you train harder, you should recover harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs>
<laughs> and in, in general, I think it's a good principle to keep in mind that in general, we, we should be kind to ourselves, and yeah. we're often, you know, kind or like able to recognize a situation where someone is stressed or tired on mm -hmm. others, but not much ourselves. And yeah, yeah, you have to sure. be even, even more sensitive with that, especially, you know, coming from ass athletes. Um, and anyway. the hardest we're going to, yeah. And the yeah. hardest anyone or the most pressure you're ever going to get is from yourself. So if you can yeah, change your mindset to be able to be kind to yourself, then when you're outside those pressure times where you're yeah. in your head and driving yourself, and that's also a good spot to be. I, I heard a quote a while ago. It was like, you, you have to like yourself first because you're, you spend more, the most time with yourself. It's like, yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it in mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you mentioned that you used to raise way more in the past than you do now. Um, and I think that's a result of your approach to running in general because you used to do much shorter races and sky races right. and now you're into 100ks and 100 milers so you maybe choose three four races a year um <laughs> how's that change like does it give you more pressure to do well uh in a given race because you know you have less chances to to show how fit you are and in some way uh having less races yeah, it puts more pressure on you to perform because it's a hit or miss. Um, and there is like a, yeah, a, a big weight on each race. Um, how does that feel for you? Yeah, I, I mean, because it is my passion, I try not to put a bunch of pressure on myself to like perform at races. It's like, no, I get to do that. I get to go like explore and if I <clears throat> prepare to my best and I show up to the start line, you know, to give my best performance, then whatever happens out there, as long as I've shown up and given my best, then you can be, I can be happy with that. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I have approached it. Um, but also like, yeah, I mean, I ran Skyrun races, so there were shorter distances. So technically less pressure on the body and things like that. Um, but now, and now too, like running 100Ks and 100Milers, <clears throat> yes, I run those races, but I love like the community of trail running too. And so I do get out for shorter races, like 50Ks. And yeah. I am just told you I'm signed up for a 73K. And um, and so I can, I do get the chance to like race more and not put the emphasis on one race. So I feel like it's a whole journey. I don't feel like, you know, of course, like you say, like, oh, Western States or CCC or UTMB is way more important. And it's like, yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, like your whole total plan, if every race is playing a part in that journey, then they're, they should all be as important as each other. Um, and maybe that takes a little bit of the pressure off, which is, I, I'm really grateful for that I have that mindset. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's something good to to learn for for everyone i think nice yeah, <laughs> yeah. how do you find it because you do a little bit yeah. of everything too <laughs> yeah um so my approach has definitely shifted towards um uh, being more goal-oriented and doing less races in a year um yeah. 
but I actually feel like I can prepare better. And yeah, like each race is even more special. And of course, there is pressure uh, to to do well, to perform. But I'm not leaving it in a negative way. Um, I don't really know mm -hmm. how to explain it, but <laughs> even this year, you know, I've had a uh, quite a few ups and downs because um, some of the races that I ran were really good, like OCC mm -hmm. uh, or Templier or the World Championship, for example. And there were other races where I completely failed. And um, since I really care about each race and my preparation and everything, it was hard to to recover from that. Yeah. But over the years, I've learned that it's okay. And like a bad performance that doesn't define your quality as an athlete and your value as a person. And that's like a truth that everyone should learn and know. Um, mm -hmm. and I've made this truth mine. So mm -hmm. it's, it, it's taken a few years because I used to beat myself up much more, but yeah. I feel like I have a much healthier approach to, to running and competing in this sense. And, uh, yeah, whatever will be, will be, and I'm just trying to, <laughs> you know, doing my best and be grateful and, uh, going all in, in this running yeah. journey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And yeah, I mean, one thing to remember, too, is that you have you you get the privilege of getting the pressure like people look at you. You worked hard to get to that point to be feeling that pressure and see people yeah. like get excited about you being on the start line. So, yeah, definitely use that <laughs> pressure. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a fuel. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's super cool to see that. and. Yeah, see how you you do as much as you say that you aren't kind to yourself when you, you know, do badly at a race or whatever. It's been amazing. Like over time, I've definitely seen you find more grace or be able to give more grace to yourself. And so it's definitely coming out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can see it be the whole journey. And um, yeah, you still, you know, I think that's the best part. We still get to go spend time with our friends. Yeah. And we go to a race. <laughs> yeah. And then what I also feel is that I definitely don't have everything figured out in a way that I'm still exploring <laughs> yeah. the sport and I'm still learning how to run yep. short races and long races. And even, you know, things that I've done a hundred times, they can always be mm -hmm. better. Um, yeah. <laughs> your, your performance can always be better. Your training can always improve. Your... Mm -hmm mindset and philosophy can can always grow so there is yeah so much room for improvement and and it's precisely this this journey that gets me excited about running and training yeah so. that's so true i'm sure courtney and killian would say too like <laughs> yeah they still yeah. have lots to learn <laughs> yeah yeah exactly even the best ones you know it's yeah and they've been very open about it because, you know, Killian and, and Courtney after this year, especially, um, you know, what else can they ask from a sport that has given them almost everything and all the success yeah. that every athlete can only dream of, but they are yeah. still there. They're still looking for ways to improve and still, you know, humbling themselves. So it's yeah, pretty inspiring. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty inspiring. We're lucky to be alive and you know 
in the time of getting to, you know, be on start lines with them and learn from them. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't want to get too, too philosophical here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I want to ask you more about, you know, your, your journey through running and, and life in general. Mm-hmm. You're, you're 29 and you're from Zimbabwe, which is not like the most common place for a trail runner to, to come from. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that now home is in California, in the United States. So um, how was growing up in Zimbabwe and how did you, did you end up in, in the United States? Yeah. Um, yeah. So growing up in Zimbabwe, I mean, I thought it was awesome. Like as a kid, it's the best place to be. Like mm-hmm. my parents also own a farm and so we lived on the farm. So it was always barefoot and outside time from, you know, pretty much the time the sun came up to the time the sun went to bed. Um, I read a quote and... um, on, on Iron Fire <laughs> that mentioned that you didn't wear running shoes until you went to yeah. Idaho for college. Is that true? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't own, it's so funny. I opened my cupboard now because, yeah. <laughs> you know, with a sponsor, we get a lot of shoes and I always open my cupboard. I'm like, well, I yeah, never expected I would have <laughs> a full cupboard of schools. I think when I came to the US, I had two pairs of shoes like on me. I had a pair of flip-flops and a pair of running shoes. Wow. Like that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so growing up in Zimbabwe, definitely, you know, it's a different world from, it's a third world country. Uh, and so we have a lot of different, I like to call it like different problems to the rest of the world or different things we think about or priorities. Um, so that was all really interesting. And I definitely maybe appreciate it now that I'm older, get mad about it, like some of it now mm-hmm. that I'm older. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I loved it being over there and um, just, yeah, the things we had or didn't have, like, it was amazing. I mean, I was, <laughs> I grew up on a farm that was very flat, which yeah. is crazy to think about too now with running all these mountains. Um, but I really love it now. And I went to boarding school when I was five years old and like tried all the sports Uh, which is, I appreciate because now I really think that I can choose one passion and um, be dedicated to it and not feel like, oh, I have to try everything else to make sure, you know, my my heart doesn't actually want to follow tennis or something. It's like, no, I tried that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really love what I do now, which is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh- and then when I, my parents were always really good too growing up. We traveled a lot and they were really good about showing us the rest of the world and what it was like in you know different parts of the world and not being in a third world country um and so when I decided when I was deciding for college where I wanted to go there's not very many opportunities within Zimbabwe to go to college um so a lot of people do look outside and I yeah I I thought about going to the States and wanted to see if I could get in um, and applied for a visa and stuff too. And yeah, it was just an opportunity, an open door. I didn't know anyone over here, but I thought it would be a cool, you know, just something 
so different and so new and uh, definitely on the sporting side of things, opportunities over here were pretty amazing. So uh, I wanted to see if I could maybe find my path over here. Um, yeah, so I came over here in 2013 for school and that's how I got over here. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty incredible to think about all this, you know, this trajectory from, you know, and <laughs> obviously you did just by yourself uh, with, you know, you, you didn't know anyone in the U.S. and you left a, a very far away country to, to study abroad and your family and your friends. Um, I wanted to ask you a little more about Zimbabwe. Um, is it like kind of similar to South Africa where a big percentage of the population is white or is it different? Uh, 2% of the population in Zimbabwe is white. Okay. So, so not, not many people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, obviously, especially, you know, Kenya, Uganda, Uganda and Ethiopia yeah. is where distance running is like the national sport and is, is so mm -hmm. big and there are so many athletes and talents. Um, is, <laughs> how's the distance running scene in, in Zimbabwe? And I mean, I, believe it's not as developed as in those countries but like what made you choose trail running over road running or, or track yeah um i think yeah i think zimbabwe has you know much smaller population like you said just not developed and not the opportunity there um the support of running in zimbabwe is a little smaller it's definitely grown over the years which is fun and we have some very talented people um there which is cool to see both on the track on the road um and we're slowly opening up the trail world which is fun to see um yeah i don't actually know <laughs> how i chose it over you know chose one over the other i did them all which was fun uh for us cross country was trail running yeah like over here i don't know what it's like in europe but um here when you run a cross country race you usually like run on a golf course or something um it's not trail based but for us right. we'd go to a school and sure we'd run across the field for like the start and the finish but otherwise we were in the bush or running you know on dirt roads or, uh, around the schools um so it was trail running which was fun um <laughs> yeah and then i I mean, I picked trail running after college because I was doing Ironmans, mm -hmm. um, triathlons, yep. and I didn't like the road um, when it came, especially to the bike. And it was okay for the running part, but I hadn't like developed a passion for it. And I think when I was on my bike and I was just, I didn't like being on my bike with onion trucks and potato trucks whizzing by me. Um, so that probably... Uh, factored into it more too that I just didn't want to be on the road I didn't want to be around cars or anything and so in the opportunity when my coach when I met my coach and he told me he trained um athletes to run in the mountains I was like oh yeah that's cool like away from everyone and everything <laughs> um so yeah that's how I picked it and I I loved it like from the first go so I just stuck with it which is cool that's awesome and regarding your coach, you're you're still working with your original coach that, that since you you started trail running, right? Right. 
Cool. How's been the the relationship and your your growth since you know I saw you you started from like zero experience and now you're one of the most experienced and best turtle ultra runners in the world. Thank you. Um <laughs> yeah, it's been such a cool journey. I've been really thankful for him from the start. Um, like we were we always joked at the beginning, like he took a chance on an African. <laughs> um and I it was the same for me. Like I didn't know him from a block of cheese, but um we were both like open about, you know, like, oh okay. Like let's see. We didn't I think the best part was is, you know, he told me at the beginning, I you know, I don't expect you to, you know, win these races or anything. Let's just like see what you can do and just put in the work and then we just like see where we're at and we, I think we both surprised each other with what I could achieve when I hit the trails which was pretty cool and uh for me it was more on the side of how much I just loved being out there and loved the community and the experience of it um which is cool and that in itself drives you to like train harder or better yeah. um and then with it being around what I studied in college because I studied exercise physiology Mm -hmm. and went to grad school for high altitude exercise physiology um it's been amazing working with my coach because we can have really good conversations as yep. much as experience as he has with he coached high school track and cross for forever uh yeah high school yeah and and junior school i think and then um then he you know he's run a bunch of trails his dad was the medic um the original medic for western states Um, so wow. he has a lot of knowledge, um, but it's also cool that he was open to kind of hear what I was learning about in school um, and things I wanted to like put into practice or think about like on recovery side of things or training side. Um, and I never am afraid to like approach him and say like, hey, this, you know, are you sure this is what we want to do today? Like I'm not feeling 100%. I now because we have I think it's six or seven years of experience like knowing how we both work, but also how like I respond to things and my body feels. I mean, I know that side and I'm so glad he's like so open to hearing that. You know, if I wake up in the morning and I'm like exhausted and I get like really nervous about a workout or something, I can call him and say like, hey, is this a good place for me to be going into a workout or did you want to push it further? Um, so it's a constant communication and he can adjust things as he needs to. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty flexible and I've tried to do that throughout like grad school and as I've graduated um, and now, you know, into uh, life. <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, I just, and like you said earlier, I really appreciate that he's as all in as I am. Um, so the effort I put in, I really see that on his side too, which is, uh, yeah, been pretty special. I'm really grateful for him. Yeah. You, yeah. you mentioned a bunch of interesting things, so I will try to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hopefully remember them. Uh, first is like when you started working with your coach, it sounds like kind of my, like my, my own story. You know, when I started working with my coach and we've been together for, almost 10 years now, oh, uh, I was like very young and very inexperienced, of course, but it never like gave me 
the wrong expectations or put any pressure on me to achieve any result or you know the mm-hmm. possibility to be a pro runner never yeah. crossed their minds until you know it became a a reality <laughs> um yeah. we were just focused on you know doing the right things and trying mm-hmm. to improve a little bit year by year and on a sustainable growth and just making sure we were we were doing things the right way and i think this has been really key to to progress and what i often see is like athletes wanting to do too much too soon because of course it's easy to get excited about the races and and the mm-hmm. training and maybe you know do a couple of seasons at a really high intensity and volume and maybe even place really well in about in in a couple of races but then kind of burn out and not being able yeah. to to perform anymore and um you know I, after all i've been in the sport for more than 10 years now and i feel like every year i can improve a little bit and it probably feels the same from your own perspective perspective as well so to me that's really important and mm-hmm. i would rather have you know a more sustainable and constant growth than a couple of a couple of like really good seasons but then lose my interest mm-hmm. and passion for the sport so that's that's something important yeah that's so true and i i think i really appreciate that too about my coach is that we talked about it from the beginning um of like even the distance to race because yeah. i mean over here specifically in america like the 100k 100 mile especially the 100 mile distance is you know a lot of the focus like yeah it's becoming that worldwide and we can say like yeah like the 100 miler is the big one and it's like it is it's changing a little bit but it is yeah and it's cool and that's why i love like you know skywriting series and the golden trail series and all the races that are like getting you know uh, yeah there's like 50ks 25ks 20ks 10ks like all the races are bringing in all these different distances too um and i mean the shorter races are way more exciting <laughs> yeah a lot of fun. like yeah there are only a couple <laughs> hours and everyone can be things all are happening really time. fast yeah 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 and, and it makes uh, it fun so it's fun for the whole sport to like encapsulate yeah. that um i mean as much yes the 100 mile distance 100k distance is incredible but so is the 50k the 75k um and i want to mention Ks. just one thing like for yeah for the average runner like of course the fulfillment and the feeling of accomplishment of running a long distance is mm-hmm. is a reality like it's it's very important but i think the you know the precision and the the good the good work that you can put in mm-hmm. to prepare and get better in a short distance is yeah. at least as rewarding and satisfying so like it of course it's easy for people to get excited about these long races but it's probably just as exciting and more sustainable to run shorter distance and they don't have anything less than those long ones so just you know just because i know that a lot of people who are not professional runners of course listen to Mm -hmm. us i i wanted to mention that because it's important to pay attention to the sport at 360 degrees and to yeah you know try to improve in every distance not necessarily yeah and I yeah and I love that you say that too because in a shorter race you can 
focus on specific things as well. Like in a longer race, there's a lot of factors that you have to think about, like food and, you know, all these like things and even just staying awake. Like that's like they're way more unpredictable. Like you, yeah, way you can train <laughs> and you can be very yeah. prepared, but then you never know. And in a short distance, yep. you can really feel if what you focused focused on during your yeah. preparation worked or didn't work. Yeah, yeah. And even for me, like, I mean, with the 100 mile distance, you just don't get to race as many a year. So this year I raced 100 miler, but used every other race to like, yeah, specifically look at different things I had in my training and make sure. Sorry, I'm going to make sure I turn that off. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does not need to be on sound it's okay. at me um but uh yeah like you get to work on different things and you know really get to the end of the race and say like okay what was my one key thing i wanted to work on in that race um whereas in a hundred mile you can't just do that because there's so many factors and um so the shorter distances are so important um too and yeah so with my coach when i started we talked about like when I could jump to the bigger races. I did start with the 65K um, mm -hmm. in Cape Town, which is a bigger race in itself, but we knew that we wanted to try different things. And um, naturally I love the endurance side of all sports. And so even when it kind of felt maybe more uncomfortable, I was doing like 21Ks in skyrunning. Um, and I knew that wasn't my strength, but it was fun to throw myself in the uncomfortable as well and be able to work different skills and get to know, um, you know, what worked or didn't work, even just in the shorter races and how that developed um, to get up to the bigger races. Um, and so, yeah, we took, I, I raced 2018, well, the end of 2017 and then 2018, 2019. And my first 100 miler was only the end of 2020 um and had raced a bunch of races between the start of my career and that point and I also went into it of like if it's if I don't like it at all like, I don't have to stick with this which was cool and we talked about that me and my coach talked about that and talked about the learning phase of it and everything um so I'm really grateful for that that I wasn't thrown in and like okay I'm just a 100k runner or just a 100 mile runner like no i jump in 20Ks or 50Ks. <laughs> yeah. Have you, in, in your previous uh, triathlon career, were you able to complete an Ironman? Yeah, I did two full and one half. Nice. And how yeah. do you find that effort compared to, you know, a similar distance or duration on, on the trails, like maybe a 100K trail race? Yeah. Yeah, that's what the duration is. It's pretty similar to 100k yeah. um i mean I, I loved it for sure like i love i love the swimming part and um then you know hopping on the bike and you just get to eat for <laughs> 160k but um which is really fun but my butt hurt all the time so that wasn't as fun and then the running part um i loved again because it was you know running <laughs> um and that's where my passion is at um on the effort side, I I don't think you can compare, compare the two. When it comes to training for trail or 100K and training for an Ironman, the training side was kind of nuts for Ironman because instead of just 
having one sport and focusing on like recovery and food and everything, it was sure you could do that, but you're focusing on three sports. Yeah. So you have to, you know, be doing all three and neither one has, or none of them have priority over the other two. Um, yeah. So that was a whole new world to like have to think about. Um, you can do a lot more training for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot more like give and take, you know, in the pool, you're not getting impact at all. And on the bike, you're not getting impact, but then running you are. Um, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was, it kept your mind working, but it was definitely get to train for three sports, not just one. And eventually you, you prefer trail running. Yeah. I love trail running. <laughs> I didn't like the bike part and the bike part's the biggest part in a triathlon. Yeah. So that didn't work. <laughs> cool. And, uh, also regarding, your relationship with your coach and since you have a you know a training a good coaching background from school from university how much influence or yeah how much can you talk about with your coach um regarding your preparation and structuring your training and maybe actually writing your, your training plan. You mentioned, you know, no, you know, on a day to today basis, when it comes to making decisions that you're hundred percent comfortable in communicating with your coach and being mm-hmm. honest with how you feel, which I think is, is very important. Like is what every athlete should do with his or her coach. Um, yeah. and it's not, it's not always easy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but regarding like the, technical aspect of training how much influence do you have yeah um so I went into it you know and the first thing I said to him was I trust you 100% like I trust your wisdom I trust what you come up with and I've been very focused to never feel that I don't trust him and that's been the best thing is that I go into it with full trust. He plans every single week, every single day. And so I, I 100% trust what he writes down. And I also know from like my coaching background and my experience that he also only has a 50% look into what my life is going, you know, what's going on in my life. And so when you can be more open about the other 50% that he can't see, then that even that helps even more um, to the training. So I never question his training, um, which, yeah, I trust him 100%. You know, if, if the race, I think too, like we have a relationship, coaching athlete relationship that really we, we both take responsibility for our parts. If I don't do my training for a week and then you know, complain that he's writing too hard a workout the next week. That's kind of my fault. Um, and so, yeah, definitely going into it a hundred percent. I trust him a hundred percent. I trust what he comes up with. I love when he asks, you know, ask me for my feedback on how things went or didn't go because not everyone's going to love every single workout. Yeah. Um, and if I do ever have a question, like what's the purpose of this run or, something like that, you know, from experience, from my experience or from things we've done over the past six or seven years, if I'm like, well, that looks like way out, like way different from what we usually do. Like what's your thinking behind that? 
um, yeah, I've asked, I've learned to ask that question because then that gives me better focus going into it and not just doing it like, oh, well, this might, you know, might just be a filler. It's like, no, well, you got to know that. Is it just a filler or is there some specific reason why it's there? Um, I'm also one of those athletes and he's the coach too, that we don't just do, uh, you know, like blah, blah miles. Like we don't just do filler miles to get them in. Like everything has a purpose. And even if you're doing recovery miles, like you just, you know, that they're recovery, which is amazing. Um, and that gives you a really good mindset going into your workout of, okay, do you want to stay slow, you know, recovery and how the body's feeling and paying attention and doing body scans, making sure, you know, you feel loose here or your mobility improves over the time period. Um, yeah, so I don't take an active role in planning any of the weeks. Um, when it comes to training, I leave that a hundred percent up to him. I work with my strength coach too. I have a strength coach who was my college coach actually, but he does all my strength. Um, and yeah, I, I trust them with that part. And I love that I can just open up my training peaks each day and see what's there and not add that to my table of like having to worry about, um, yeah, I hope that answers it. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, you mentioned several important things in the coach athlete relationship that I really value. I really try to also transmit to my athletes and and um you also probably to to your athletes as well since you're also a coach um which I I want to ask you about. Um yeah. How's your relationship with data? and training data like how much do you pay attention to them and i don't think you get obsessed with data and with you know right now you can track pretty much everything with a sport watch which yeah. with a bunch of technology that is available um mm -hmm. but then in the end i think it becomes a little bit of a pointless game like yeah, yeah. but what actually are you learning about your training and yourself from those data are you paying more attention to the data themselves than to yourself. And right. I think losing that sensibility is a risk. So how's your relationship with your training data? Yeah, I love that question. Um, <laughs> and I actually just recently answered it with a friend out here. So that was, that's cool that you asked it. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely going to school, you know, for exercise physiology and understanding a lot more about the data it's definitely risky um yeah you because you have a lot more you understand knowledge. a lot more than the average yeah. athlete or person so yeah yeah it's it's yeah, a powerful I, knowledge but it also yep. presents some <laughs> things to to be careful with <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and a few years ago uh Debo asked me that question like oh how much do you pay attention to the science because that's what you trained in and I've it's it was good like when I went to school yes I learned a lot but I also learned how new our area of study is so exercise physiology is a brand new field as much as we have all this information if you look at any of our studies or just so many things um <laughs> there's a lot of the population that gets missed out from a study but also it's our like our trail running 
um, sport in general is so separated too. So like you can never generalize anything. Yeah, there's so much variability. Just, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> very, uh, it's so variable, um, with, you know, athletes and female athletes and male athletes and yeah, short distance athletes and long distance athletes. Um, a lot of the exercise physiology field in general, like all their studies are done. It's changing now, but a lot of their studies were done on a group of male athletes between the ages of 18 and 22. And they go to college, but they go to college to run. So they have can have a very controlled, um, you know, schedule, life schedule. So I, I don't know how much data I would take from that study. Yes, I love the general gist of what's going on and what they looked at. And you can look at trends, but you can never say definitely like, okay, I go in as a 29-year-old female. I'm going to do exactly what they did. Well, first of all, if I'm not, because I'm not in school, I'm not in that controlled environment. And then because I was born in Africa, I'm going to have different uh, indicators that change differently um, to how these male athletes at a U.S. college um, train and lived their whole life even before they even get there to that study. Uh, I know that <laughs> sounds like a lot of information, but it is amazing. Like as much information as we have, it's still so new. And so I'm very, very much a big believer in everyone is individual. Um, and that goes down, you know, to your genetics and stuff like that. But even just to life and like what you've done before you get to where you are right now today and that is affected how your training um is your body response to your training and where you live and your breathing rates and your heart rates and things like that i do the only things i so in general i don't pay attention to my like statistics and my data a ton but resting heart rate for me is very key. It's probably okay. the only thing I actually pay attention to. Um, I, you know, I definitely think that's a really good indicator for you track it bodies. in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. First, yeah, thing, first after, thing in the morning before I get yeah. out of bed. Yep. Yep. Just you track your HRV as well. Uh, I've, I've seen that, but I don't pay as much attention to it. I yep. just need to dive into it a little better and understand it more. Cause we didn't talk about it a ton when we were, in grad school, which was interesting to me, but <laughs> now there's it's a lot probably more kind of a more new technology. Well, not technology, but like yeah. thing that athletes now track. And I, yeah. I don't think the the scientific background behind it it's is huge, but okay. it's probably an interesting variable to to try to understand. It's yeah. maybe. Yeah, if there is a disadvantage is that it's not like um as easy to understand it as heart rate, you know. It's mm. yeah, you have to, you know, see your trends and then compare the number to the day before, but also like the weeks and months before. And yeah, there's just so much to learn behind that data that I think people often misinterpret and end yeah. up, you know, not getting the right information from this type of data as they could. So yeah, yeah, it requires some some learning and knowledge. So but yeah, it could be um something useful to to consider. But yeah, I don't yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you. Sorry. No. No, I love that. Yeah. 
and it's so true like with all the things too i i think i get excited about all the data um but i have learned like through education and everything that you just you have to pay attention to yourself and like what yeah. you're feeling yeah um over any data um, yeah because in the so, end it's like how you respond to training and yeah. that it's like just how you feel i mean as simple mm -hmm. as that it's and it's yeah definitely not always an easy exercise to stop for a second and think about how you're feeling or you know yeah, yeah whatever the adjective or numbers you want to use but yeah it's actually a harder exercise that when it than what it looks on paper um because yeah. we're used to you know you just look at your gps i mean there is everything yeah. but it's, <laughs> it's not all there <laughs> yeah and it is cool that like for our sport we get to do that we get to look inside <clears throat> like how we're feeling sure we can look at the data but I mean, ultimately, you only think you have to think about like how you're feeling and it's not you don't have to compare to someone else because yeah. when it's a team like a soccer team, they can't, they can't have someone wake up in the morning and say like, well, I'm I'm a little extra tired today. My heart rate is, you know, super high. I'm going to just sit on the sideline. It's like, no, it's team practice. Like you're going to be at team practice unless you're sick. Um, but we as, you know, individual athletes, we get to do that of like really adjust training to you know with how our body responds but definitely that calculation of okay should i be feeling tired today and is that a good thing like do i want to get more miles on tired legs or deciding like no yeah. i'm at, not at that point in my program i need to take an extra day recovery so that i can come back yeah. tomorrow and do it right and i think running is such a hard and difficult sport that like it exposes your feeling like it it really exposes exposes how you respond to training like whether you like it or not but you know if you have a hard workout you're going to be tired mm -hmm. like the recovery is going to be hard it's just, it's not just because you want to push through that you can that you can make it um uh, running will find a way to let your body know that you need to rest <laughs> that you need to take it easy um and yeah. that's another cool thing you, like you can't get away basically yeah. as in you know other sports maybe i i've been cycling a lot i've i was a swimmer and that's much easier to you know just push yeah. through and get away with how your body is feeling we're running yep. you can't really cheat too much because yeah. you're going to get injured. So, yeah. And it is amazing. That's so true. Like the running, I mean, the biking and the swimming side is just so different. You know, you can get an overuse injury when it comes to yep. swimming because you're like just in the pool too long. But in general, yeah, it's very forgiving. But running is not like that. And what I always say to my athletes, you know, they'll call me like, I have flu or something. If you don't give your body the time to recover, it'll make you give it time yeah, at a point later exactly. you will get injured and it'll make you sit on the couch which is super hard but it's also yeah it's really good that we 
have these very strong indicators <laughs> yeah. that help us decide to take a recovery day or work through it. Um, you mentioned that you work with a, a strength coach, and I think you mm -hmm. also are a strength coach yourself. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. So I wanted to ask you more about strength training because yeah. for me, it's it's a topic that I don't know very much about, and I'm always keen to to learn and to mm -hmm. maybe apply something new to my own training. Um, and also, like I'm not too scientific, and I think I go a little bit by intuition and maybe focus on strength work when, for example, I'm doing like an uphill workout and I, I don't have the climbing strength that I wish I had. So I think, okay, yeah. I need some more strength training, but is that true? Or it's just my impression, you know? Um, so I wanted to ask you more about that and like mm -hmm. strength training periodization throughout the season for trail and ultra runners. Yeah. Um, I know there's a lot of different like theories out there on strength training and when you should do it, when you shouldn't do it. Again, listening to your body, everyone is different. Um, sure. Should I listen keep... to my intuition when like <laughs> I lack the, the climbing strength that the climbing strength you yeah, should, but also to... remember, <laughs> also remember that you don't just climb with your, you know, with your quads, you actually climb with every muscle in your body. So when you're going into the room to get better at climbing, you know, think about your arms and think about your head position and things like that and your core. Um, yeah. And yeah. And then train everything <laughs> to That's get stronger. To yeah. Um, definitely your strength training too. For me, mobility training is as important as strength. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be as strong as you want, but if you can't move, then it doesn't help you. Um, so definitely mobility and stretching is really important too. I have a theory that, you know, I would run 10 minutes less every day to get my strength training in. That's how important it is to me. Um, and when I say strength training, that includes my mobility and um, my activation work. I got injured in college. I threw my hips out and caught a nerve and pretty much had to teach myself how to walk and run again. It was very like uncomfortable and then I couldn't really run. Um, and then when it like real, I got, I managed to like adjust it back into place and things like that, things started to work. But at that point in my, you know, career, I realized how important it is to look after your body, make sure things are in alignment. We all have something funky going on. Like I have a hip tilt. So I have to make sure I try and counteract that hip tilt and make sure things are more in alignment so that, you know, nerves don't get caught or things go don't get out of whack. Um, and ultimately that enables me to feel good on the trails and get good runs in and things like that. So that's my core um, when it comes to strength and mobility. A simple activation every day before you go run yeah. um, is really key and just waking up your body, you know, doing ankle circles. Um, there's a lot of important parts in our body when we, when it comes to running. And for me, ankles are a big part of that. I had really weak ankles when I started this and worked with my coach to build up that ankle, ankle strength, but also worked on it, you know, the first year, but then I'm seven years in and I'm still doing the same thing. Um, because it's that important, uh, and 
oh yeah strength in itself is important uh for what we get to do and yeah I, I have you know I go into the gym twice a week but otherwise every other routine is between you know five and 20 minutes so I'm not in the gym for an hour every day and that's why I'm strong I'm doing an activation for five minutes in the morning when I get out of bed just to wake up um <laughs> and that's yeah kind of what good what keeps me going yeah 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 I I agree and uh, what, what can you say about strength periodization throughout the season like so right now we're coming from you know the 2023 season and a summer of mm -hmm. races and a lot of people are maybe are either in their off season or during a what we call like winter season training block um yep. getting ready for the races next year in the spring or in the summer mm -hmm. so how would you structure the strength work uh from like now that we are in a period that is quite far from the competitions to the competition period yeah um so with just so with just my in strength. general like i mean i, yeah, I yeah. believe that every athlete is is, is individual yeah. and there are a lot of very specific situations <laughs> yeah. and so many races that you could get ready for like from short races yeah. to 100 milers so i yeah. understand the question is very general but maybe there <laughs> yeah. are some trends in yeah yeah for sure yeah and then like for me with my coach i found that if we can get into a program um that's all year so it doesn't matter if it's off season or during competition i'm doing the same stuff and okay. he just you know adjusts specific things so that the week before a big race i'm not lifting in the gym not having a huge you know a big lifting day in the gym maybe i'm in the gym but i'm just doing the movements just to make sure my body like is moving well um uh, I know a lot of people do periodize and obviously, you know, for the shorter distance athletes and very sprint based type athletes where you need like the speed and the power using the off season to build that power in the gym is key too. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like right now using that time to get in the gym and build up strength, um, is huge, but working on explosive movements in the gym is good. Um, what else? I also, yeah, the key thing with strength too is that it gets you out of the house and, you know, somewhere where you can work on yourself and you're working on your body. And so going to the gym and sure you have a weight session planned, but getting into that routine of doing your mobility work there too. So doing five minutes of mobility um, and that just becomes part of your regular routine. Uh Periodization, the same with training as well. I, after a race, I do strength, but okay. I'm a, a lot more graceful to myself and more mm -hmm. about like mobility and making sure I'm moving well. And so even if my strength coach puts down a routine, I sometimes it'll take me all day to get through one routine and I'm just doing an exercise here and an exercise there and I'm getting the work in, but I'm not making it a very strong strength workout because of that impact especially you know racing 50k and up you're well actually all races your body's just at higher risk especially that week afterwards yeah. like if you stiff wrong getting out of the car you can twist something just because yeah. your body's tired um yeah so 
mostly just using that 10 day period post-race to get things moving, making sure that things are in alignment and if needing, you know, going to a massage therapist or a PT to adjust things. And yeah, I think the whole, like everything we've talked about today too, the more you learn about yourself and the more in tune you are with your body, the better you can be about caring uh, for yourself and picking the right things and and periodizing. Like it just kind of happens naturally. Like, okay, I raced. I'm going to take a little bit of time off or I'm coming into a race. Like I may as I, I shouldn't be pushing as hard this week. Yeah. So for you, as I understand it, uh, throughout the year, it's like, you don't change much the type of exercises. It's more like the quantity and, and the load that you yep. apply to your body. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Interesting. And, and <laughs> so like, would you spend more time in the gym during the winter and less during the summer or not necessarily? No, not necessarily time. Um, no, I might just like lift a little lighter Okay. coming yeah. into competition or things like that. But yeah, time-wise, it's generally the same. But also none of my workouts, like my biggest workout in the gym takes me 50 minutes. So okay. yeah. It's not a huge one. Yeah, also yeah. like <laughs> it's probably good because... What I realize is that, you know, after you've been in the gym for 40, 45 minutes, you tend to get tired. So you're not doing, you're not executing the exercises as well as you, as you should. And that's pretty dangerous for, yeah. from an injury standpoint. So yeah, probably better to go, you know, a little, but um, doing things with care. <laughs> yeah. I do know because my my brother's a bodybuilder. So he, you know, is in the gym every day. Um, And I just realized, like, as runners, we don't tend to take a bunch of recovery time between exercises. Like, we feel recovered really quick. That's, you know, we've trained for that (laughs) to keep going and be able to, you know, do stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you can be in there for longer, but then also remember to take more rest if you are doing a big workout. Like, don't be afraid to take a couple minutes between yeah. exercise sets. Yeah. So like, I think a mistake that we, that we all make is that if we feel like we're not working hard, it means that we're not really training, but that doesn't apply to, to strength work, of course. And you really yeah. need the recovery and it's probably more than you yeah. think. Um, so another yeah. <laughs> important part to, to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, that's cool. awesome. That's very interesting. And um, I also know that you focus your studies on uh, altitude exercise physiology and altitude training in general when mm-hmm. you were in the University of Gunnison in Colorado. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions um, about altitude training. Um, these questions are like, I I personally do altitude training sometimes. Cool. Um, yeah. and I do find some benefit with altitude training. Um, awesome. But in general, like from what level or at what point does it make sense to consider altitude training for, you know, normal athletes, whatever that means? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe the basic thing is how long are you going to be at altitude? Um, if you live at sea level 
anything above 5,000 feet is considered altitude. Mm -hmm. um, so, but like, would but you if consider, you, okay. like, would you suggest it to any athlete of any level? Uh, of course, we're talking about endurance athletes. You know, <laughs> do you think it makes yeah, sense for someone who's training like, you know, four days a week, maybe, I don't know, six or seven hours a week to, yeah do an altitude training block for, for a race. I mean, I know that's also pretty unrealistic because no, yeah. usually people who train four times a week, which is totally respectable, but don't have a whole lot of time to dedicate to training yeah. besides that. And going like doing altitude training is a big commitment because you need to travel. You need mm -hmm. a, a hypoxic chamber. You need some, yeah. Um, some tool yeah. to generate that altitude. So the question was more, oriented on on this this topic than like what actually altitude training means like we know that yeah yeah you, you're probably not gonna get any benefit for any period that is shorter than 20 days uh like your physiology doesn't actually change yeah. because it takes time for the body to adjust to the conditions and to get right. the metabolic gain that you mm -hmm. can get from the altitude um but yeah what can you tell me yeah that. so basic yeah so basic you know if you if you can do an altitude block like if that works for your work and your training and all the things like sure it, everyone mm -hmm. could benefit from doing an altitude block um yeah. but again like it you know comes down to what access you have and then um uh oh yeah but then actually doing training uh, at altitude or needing it for a race if you are at high altitude if you're only at high altitude in a race for one or two hours in a hundred mile a hundred k race like that's such a tiny part yeah and if you don't have the access to you know an altitude chamber or altitude or anything and it's going to be so much work to get to that altitude training area it's you don't need it's it. Like, don't yeah. put extra priority up there. Yeah, getting altitude training um, when you're only going to be in altitude for one or two hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like also what I think is that, you know, before you even think about altitude training, there are so many aspects of your training that you can work on and improve mm -hmm. from, you know, nutrition, recovery, and just the quality of your training and your training intensity and volume that... You know, it's a long way until you can maybe work on the marginal gains that altitude training can produce. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And from your experience with altitude training, how have you found like your recovery with altitude training when you're in so altitude? I think it's a little tricky because um like a lot of times I think we tend to believe that altitude training works simply because we generally do a training camp at altitude and we go there with other people. We train more and better. We pay more attention to recovery and nutrition. We have good training company. We have good climate. So like in the end, I think the benefits of all these factors are probably bigger than the altitude itself. And it's not mm -hmm. easy to tell what's one and what's the other yeah. so usually um 
after altitude training blocks, I found myself pretty tired for a few weeks yeah. but because generally I did a lot of volume and a, like big workouts and a lot of training. Mm-hmm. And I found that it takes me a while to digest that and to process all that training. But after that, mm-hmm. I'm usually pretty fit. So for example, this year yeah. I was doing a three week altitude training block at more than 2000 meter in July mm-hmm. for Sierra Zinal, which was two weeks after I went to sea level from, from altitude. I went, I went home from altitude. Yeah. And Sierra Zinal were, was, was terrible. Like it was a disaster. I didn't perform as I wanted. I felt terrible yeah. throughout the race, just way off from the start. And mm-hmm. yeah, just a bad day. But then uh, a month after my altitude training camp at OCC, I had one of the best days of the year. And I think it was only a matter of time until I processed that training block until, mm-hmm. you know, the results showed up. So training is so complex. Um, and to establish, um, you know, um, a cause effect relationship mm-hmm. within things is very difficult. So yeah. honestly, I don't think I have it figured it out yet. Yeah, yeah. None of us do, that's but <laughs> um, I think that's just a key part to you know tell people is when you do do altitude training, you need extra recovery. Like yeah. your body's working harder because you're up at altitude. And so, you know, whether within that training block or after that after, training block. Like, yeah, exactly. Like both. knowing, yeah, like if you're choosing to add train add altitude training to your training for a race like you have to take that into account like you said you needed four weeks to recover and get your body back to its um you know top-notch performance and you yeah you had all the benefits now you'd soaked them all up but it takes time and so that factor in picking if you're going to add altitude or not is also key yeah exactly and then i mean we could chat for this about this forever yeah. <laughs> um but yeah like even you know this summer at Cerzinal was it because I was tired was it because of something yeah. else because I was maybe sick because mm-hmm. days after the race I didn't feel okay um you know so many mm-hmm. things that you can take into account and it's probably also the the fun part about training and racing that yeah as we mentioned <laughs> we haven't figured it out completely yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, no, that's awesome. <laughs> Emily, it's been a huge pleasure to talk to you and chat about training. And there is like, like, yeah, I should probably have you back for another episode, but I don't want to <laughs> cool. keep you busy for the whole day. You have other things uh, to to take care of. But yeah, but yeah, I it's, we'll, it's been we'll really have to fun. talk again soon because I I love yeah. your questions and you know you get you get onto podcasts and. Uh, people ask a lot of questions, but sometimes it can be the same thing. And I really appreciate the time you put into thinking these up. And they're mm-hmm. all really good questions and really mm-hmm. great things that uh, listeners can take a lot of value from. Um, so, yeah, thanks for chatting and thanks for yeah, being thanks. opening open so, about your training, too. <laughs> of course. Yeah, thanks. Next time I'm going to ask you more about, you know, the amazing accomplish- accomplishments that you've had, um, including, let's just mention... The top five at Western State and the second place at CCC this year, which were, you know, two 
really, really good achievements. So congrats on, on them. Thank you. Yeah. Congrats to you too. You got some <laughs> Thanks. great performances. <laughs> All right. We'll have you back. So talk soon. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our great interview today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us with a rating and a review in your podcast player or by sharing it on social media, tagging me and Vertron. We would really appreciate that. If you haven't already downloaded the Vertron app, I encourage you to do so. There, you can connect for free with our trail runners of all levels in the Vertron community in our in-app groups. You can stay in trail shape with our free workout videos and get affordable coaching for your next trail running goal for only $25 a month. Thanks again for being here today. Until next time, I'm Francesco Puppi. Thank you for listening to Running Long.